Sweet. All right. So typically, what we've been doing is doing more of like topical lessons. Um, we're kind of changing it up tonight, and we're doing a character lesson. Uh, I felt very strongly that we needed to focus on a specific character. So this character has a few chapters dedicated to him. Of course, I'm not going to sit here and read all these chapters and then go over it because we'd be here all day. Um, but I am going to kind of hit some of the high points. Um, so what we're, who we're talking about is Samson. So does everybody know who Samson is? Yeah. He's strong. Yes. So, yes. So most of us kind of know some of those big details about who Samson is. And we know some of those... But this is a really big thing. But there's a lot of times if we focus on a person or we focus on a story that we miss out on a lot of things. So I'm actually going to start. It's going to be a little weird. It'll make sense later. But we're going to start with something. And usually it's like a telephone game where you pass it all the way around. But that would take a a while. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just say it to everybody. And I want you to try to remember it. And then we're going to come back at the end of it and see how well you remember it. So I'm just going to I put together a random sentence. Pastor Mike likes to eat pineapple pie on St. Patrick's Day in pajamas. Wait, say it again. Yeah. <laughs> Pastor Mike likes to eat pineapple pie on St. Patrick's Day in pajamas. Okay, well. Pastor Mike likes to eat pineapple pie on St. Patrick's Day in pajamas. See, she's over here running down. She's going to cheat. Pineapple pie on St. Patrick's Day in pajamas. Okay. Wait, say it again. One more time. All right, it was Pastor Mike likes to eat pineapple pie on St. Patrick's Day in pajamas. Okay. What's that, Maddie? I thought about it, but I honestly did not. All right. Um, anyways, it will make more sense later. We'll come back to that. But like I said, we're going to focus on Samson. And like I said, most of us know some of these main points about him, but I want to kind of dive a little bit more into him. So... Let's focus first on what do we all typically know about Samson. We know that he's this man with long hair, very strong dude, and he used a donkey's bone, a jawbone, to go and kill some people. That's typically what we know about him. And we know about his eyes getting gouged out. We know these high details, right? Now, the jawbone was Samson's weapon of choice. Now, as I started studying this, God hit me with something that I kind of couldn't shift away from I felt like somebody needed to hear it. Because a lot of times we use our jawbone as our weapon of choice because sometimes we want to flap our jaw when we need to keep it shut, right? So, do what? <laughs> um, anyways, the tongue ends up becoming our weapon for a lot of people. And, you know, the Bible tells us over and over how we should use our tongue and how we need to be careful with the things that we say. So I, the first scripture that came to mind was Ephesians 4.29. And Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So, we have to be really cautious about what we're saying to people. And I want to kind of make it a little bit more personable to let you see that your voice matters. Because, I mean, think about what, what did God tell the people when they were marching around the walls of Jericho? What did he tell them to do? He told them to shout. To use their voices to do something to glorify God. And those walls came crashing down. Now what did Jesus say when Pilate was questioning him? He said quiet. So sometimes our use of words and then sometimes our lack of words is the things that we need to focus on. So what we choose to use our tongue to say is important. Now at the same time... um, we, we also like to get in that mindset where we're like, well, if I keep my wording safe, then, you know, I'm good, right? As long as I don't 
just spur off hateful comments to people, but you still have that internal voice. You've got that voice that even if you don't physically say it, you know what you think about the person and you'll say wicked things in your head about the person. Now, how many of us are fake to people? Because I am. I'm fake to people sometimes. And I'm fake to people because I'm also in customer service. So sometimes I pull up to a house and I'm like, oh, gosh. How are you doing? <laughs> and that's it. You go, up to the, you go up to their door. You're like, please don't answer. Please don't answer. Hey, how's he doing? I'm, I'm here, to, here to take care of you today. <laughs> so, and we'll use that customer service voice and it gets really fake. But we put on an act for those people. Right? And I think that that's dangerous. I think it's dangerous that we do that because... Not everybody catches on that you, you're putting on the act. Some people think you're really good friends with them. And they start opening up to you about some really personal things. But then you're, you're never committed to them. You're playing a part. You're giving them your customer service voice, your customer service words. And then when they're opening up to you and then all of a sudden it's overwhelming, you're like, oh, this person's getting clingy and you, you go running off, you hurt that person. And they don't understand it. Rocky, has this happened to you before? It has, and I, I'm sure, I mean, no, I, I think it's happened to a lot of people. A lot of people, you start opening it up to people, and then they just kind of ditch on you, and then you're like, you're sitting there like, you know, what happened? Because, I mean, I, I can't really say a whole lot, because the day that I graduated, I was like, going through my friends list and taking everybody off. I didn't care. I was done with them. And, but we do the same thing. Like we, we just get done with people. We're like, oh, well, you acted like you were all buddy-buddy with me, and then... You know, you don't care. You're not going to reach out to me, right? And we get in that mindset. Now, it's not also, but it's not a bad thing if you don't like somebody, just avoid them. It's not bad that you don't like some people. I mean, there's 7 billion people in the world. We're not going to get along with all of them. You know, even Paul tells Timothy in the Bible about being cautious of a certain person. And he says, be weary when this person comes around because he's, he's coming out to do some bad things. He's coming out with bad intentions. So... We have to be careful not to be acting and not using the customer service voice on people who are really trying to get close to us because we don't want them doing that to us. Now, I'm going to get back to Samson. I just, like I said, when I, when I studied that, God gave me that, and I was like, somebody needs to hear that, so I didn't want to kind of venture away from it. But I want to go back, and we're going to look at the birth of Samson. Now, the birth of Samson starts in Judges 13. And I don't know what all I've put in here, to be quite honest. I've... Um, all right, so Judges 13, yeah, I was up at like 1 a.m. doing this. So Judges 13, it says, Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Now there was a certain man from Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman, and he said unto her, uh, indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but ye shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. Uh, for behold, you shall conceive, you shall conceive <laughs> and bear a son and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So the woman came and she told her husband, saying, The man of God came to me and his countenance was like the countenance of the angel of God. Very awesome. <laughs> but I did not ask him where he was from and he did not tell me his name. So Manoah prayed to, to the Lord and he said, Oh my Lord, please let the man of God who you sent 
Come to us again and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came to the woman again as she was sitting in the field, but Manoah, her husband, was not with her. <clears throat> and the angel of the Lord said, uh, said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food, but if you eat... Yeah, that's not... We skipped up. Okay. What? Now... I ain't supposed to read that yet. Okay. I got ahead of myself. You're good. Anyways, sorry. So going back, with, looking at the, the, the birth of Samson, um, what, what, some of the things that I kind of pulled out as I was reading that was that God sends this angel to Samson's mother. Now, Samson's mother was, she'd already went through menopause. She wasn't able to have children. She hadn't had any children before. And then God comes. It's kind of like, it reminded me of Abraham and Sarah. He, he comes to her. He says, you're going to have a child. This child's going to be a mighty dude he's, he's coming to do great things for me but he gives very specific instructions and for the most part I, like they're, they were specific but it's like most people aren't going to eat unclean food like you don't just pick up stuff out of the garbage can and eat it and um, he says don't drink wine don't drink strong drink and most pregnant women don't do that some do to each their own but you're not supposed to so it was very specific but in the same sense, it was also kind of common sense. But then what he says very specifically was, do not let a razor ever touch his head. So that was a, one very specific thing. Now, what I noticed is that, you know, when she goes and she tells her husband, the husband starts praying. He says, well, God, why don't you send that angel back? Now, this is what I found this to be very interesting because Manoah, who was the father, prayed for the answer. But the answer did not come to Manoah. It came... To Samson's mother. So he prayed for an answer, but she received it. And when she received the answer, it, it sp- specifically says Manoah, her husband, was not with her. And I find that there's so many times that we will start praying for something, but we don't get the answer. He'll give it to somebody else to pass it back to us. Because what happened is that she ends up running to her husband saying, hey, God sent this person back. And, you know, he's here. This is the one I was telling you about. So he has to come and he has to take her word for it and come back to see that, hey, God has answered your prayer. He just didn't give it to you. He gave it to me. Because she was the one that originally seen the angel. He prayed that it would return. He sent it back to her, the original receiver of it. Now, the reason I find that interesting, like I said, is because there's been times in my life where I've prayed for something and then it's like I didn't get the answer. But then somebody came to me and they was like, hey, um... I feel like God wants me to tell you this. And sometimes we get like really prideful because if somebody else comes to you and they're telling you something, you're like, you know, I, I'm waiting for God to tell me that. Sometimes that is God trying to tell you it. Sometimes God's using other people to get your answer through to you. And sometimes we reject that because that's not how I anticipated that God would do it. Now, that, got, that gets uh, uh, back with the whole getting along with others thing. And how we choose to use our words and how we choose to talk to people and talk about people. Because if we sit there and strike things down and strike people down, sometimes we're striking down the very answer that God was sending to us. Mm-hmm. Now, how will I know if the person that is giving me, if this is somebody that's giving me God's answer or if they're being self-centered? And this is where we go to verse 16. Um, because what happened is when, uh, when Manoah goes to this angel, he starts saying, well, you know, what's your name? And, you know, because he's one to thank him. He's one to, to, to give him the praise. And it says that the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. 
It says from Manoah did not know he was an angel of the Lord. So when he comes to kind of give him some praise, he says, it's saying about me. He says, take that burnt offering and offer it to the Lord. So give that thanksgiving. Don't give it to me. Don't give it to the wrong person. Give that thanksgiving to God. And see, that's how you're going to know if somebody's coming because God told them to come. Because if you turn around, you're, you're, you start telling them thank you, they'll say no, no, no. The, the praise goes to God. And that's how you're going to be able to decipher if somebody's coming with self-centeredness or if they're coming with, with, with a message from God. If they're coming that with, that because God actually sent them to come. Now, the angel's thanksgiving to God led to God's presence. Because what happens here is after this happens and he offers this burnt sacrifice to God, God receives that burnt sacrifice. And what happens, if we go to verse 22, in verse 22, Manoah even says to his wife, we shall surely die because we have seen God. They didn't see God. They saw an angel of God who came and said, give thanksgiving to God, and then God received it. They didn't see the face of God, but because the thanksgiving went to God, God's presence was there. And it was so strong that he said, we're going to die because we just seen God. Now, how many people would look at you and the way that you, you go and serve people and the way that you say, give it to God? How many people look at you after they've encountered you and say, that was different? I feel like, you know, if, if somebody talks to you and then they walk away and they're impacted because the, the presence of, of God flowing out of you, that's where you know that you're where you're supposed to be and doing the things you're supposed to be doing. And, you know, we actually, Emily and I ran into this. We were in Memphis vacationing and if you've never been to memphis there's a lot of homeless people there a lot of homeless people um so we were in our hotel and we were leaving out in the morning we were heading to the car and i had a little styrofoam plate of pasta that had set out all night pasta does not very good after it's set out all night it gets sour and it's not something you want to eat but this man comes up to me i mean he, he out of everybody that was out there he comes straight up to us and he asked if he could have that food and I explained to him, hey, it said, I'm not, he said, I don't care. I just want food. I, I want something to eat. And I wasn't willing to give him bad food, so I, I gave him a little bit of money that I had, right? Now, what happened is that it didn't matter to him that what I had was bad. He just wanted something to fill him, right? So I gave him money, and what happened is he just starts crying. He didn't thank me. He started thanking God right then and there. And... I mean, he's crying and he gives me a hug. And literally when we sat in the car, I just sat there for a minute because I thought, what was that? And I, we honestly were starting to wonder if it was even a real person. We were starting to wonder if that was an angel and that was a test that was being sent. And see, that was this insane situation where I came out, at, came out of it thinking God was in that. Now, how many people can say the same thing when they've encountered you? After you've walked away, they say, wow, God was in that. God was in that conversation. God was in that moment. Our paths crossed for a reason, and God was in that. Because if people aren't saying that about you, I mean, that, you're missing out on something, I mean, really, really great. Now, um, let's scroll down. Um, now, some of us, we're just self-centered. We're not worried about what God wants us to do. We're not worried about the things that he's wanting us to say to people and how he's wanting us to communicate. And then we're going to move on to chapter 14. And we're going to see a little bit of self-centeredness coming out of Samson. See, Samson was sent with 
reasoning and purpose. But he gets into his little self-centeredness. So we get into chapter 14, which jumps a pretty good amount of time because we read about the birth of Samson and now we're reading about Samson. We assumed it being in his later adulthood because it says now Samson went down to Timnah and he saw a woman there uh, of the daughters of the Philistines and he went up and he told his father and mother saying, I've seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore, get her for me as a wife. And then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. And remember that line right there. He says, For she pleases me well. So let's remember that. And I believe, is there a little bit more here in this section? So it says, His father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord. That he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Uh, so Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother, and he came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now, to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mildly upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. But he did not tell his father and mother what he had done. And then he went down and he talked with the woman and she pleased Samson well. So it says, after some time when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion and behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of that lion. And he took some of it in his hands and he went along eating. And when he came to his father and mother, he gave some of it to them and they also ate of it. So he did not tell that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. So his father went down to the woman. And Samson gave a feast there, for young men used to do so. And it happened when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. And then Samson said to them, let me pose a riddle to you, and if you can correctly solve and explain uh, the riddle to me within seven days of the feast, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. Uh, but if you cannot explain it to me, then you shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. And they said to him, pose your riddle that we may hear it. And so he said to them, out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. Now for three days they could not explain the riddle. Uh, but it came to pass on the seventh day that they said to Samson's wife, entice your husband that he may explain the riddle to us, or else we will burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us in order to take what is ours? Is that not so? And then Samson's wife wept on him and said, You only hate me. You don't love me. You've posed a riddle to the sons of my people, but you have not explained to me. And he said, he said to her, Look, I've not explained it to my father or my mother, so should I explain it to you? So I know that was a lot to read, a lot to take in. So let's dive into it for a second. Now, so what we look at is that Samson's flesh starts getting, getting there a little bit. Now, you know, last week we talked about triggers. Now, for Samson, that trigger was this line that he used where he says, she pleases me. That was his trigger. And that's how the devil could get into him and, and start moving upon him. Now, when he goes to his parents and he says, hey, I, I see this woman and I, I, she, she pleases me and I want to marry her. That the parents aren't about it at all, and they started saying, "Well, is there not someone, someone else? Is there not anyone, you know, within our uh, little uh, community here?" And he, they're over there, like, you know, Tanton, these people are crazy. Like, are you sure you want to go and jump into that? So he hits him with the line. He says, "But she pleases me well." Now, 
Samson was sent specifically to attack the Philistines. But instead, he went and he caught some feelings for some of the Philistines. So he came with a mission, but his flesh got him a little bit distracted. That trigger hit him. Now, where are we at here? Samson had already made up his mind. He already knew when he came in, I'm marrying this girl, she pleases me, and that's all he's worried about. And he, and he got into that self-centered mindset. Now, Samson's plan was, well, I'll kill all of the Philistines except for her. But that wasn't what he was sent to do. He was sent to kill all of them. He wasn't sent to leave any of them, to leave any of them living. But that's his mindset. He's like, well, I'll kill all of them except for her. But God's plan is, hey, if you're going to do this, you're going to be putting yourself through some unnecessary hardships because you're going to end up having to take all of them. If you're going to come out here and you're going to start catching feelings for these people, you're going to, you're going to deal with some hardship because you're, you're going to get involved with them in ways I never intended for you to get involved with them. So God's will is still going to work out no matter what he does. So, so far what we know about Samson is he was sent by God and then he got distracted. And I think for many of us, we're in the same boat. We were sent by God to do something because we're here, we're living, we're breathing. We're sent here and we have purpose to do something, but we got distracted somewhere. We got distracted because we get self-centered. Because it's like God's saying, do this, but they're like, I want to do this instead. And we, I mean, we read about it over and over in the Bible. People getting self-centered, people getting uh, caught off guard, people getting out of the will of God. Now, even though Samson got distracted... God didn't take away his strength. And that was important to me that even though he was getting out of God's will, he didn't leave him yet. He was still there with him because he still had to, to guide him and teach him. He still had purpose for him. So, in fact, what happens is that God actually sends a reminder that, hey, you're getting out of my will. Let me remind you why I sent you. And that's why this lion comes. And it says that it surprised Samson. He wasn't expecting this lion. But when the lion comes, I want you to notice too that it wasn't Samson who had the power to do it. It says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him heavily, powerfully, and then he was able to go to this lion and tear it apart. That was because God had not left him. Even though he walked out of the will of God for a little bit of time, God was still with him, and he gave him the power to do that. That wasn't Samson. That was God. Now, when you go to... uh, I'm getting all off track here. <laughs> Anyways, okay. I, I, I started getting all ahead. And... I have a question. Okay, go ahead. Is that the one where he wasn't supposed to touch any dead animal? Or... No, so that is, I forget who that is. Because as I was actually teaching, I actually thought about that. Uh, yeah, and that's the thing because I actually thought about that, but I couldn't remember who it was to, to reference that. And that's part of the reason I'm getting so side, like, like sidetracked because it's like God's giving me stuff. It's like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> but anyway, so, so what, what happened is that, you know, God sent that reminder. God sent the reminder of, I sent you here because you're powerful. I gave you the power and I sent you to do this mission. Now, when he sends that reminder, that should have woke him up, right? But it didn't. You get to verse 7. Um, if we go back to verse 7 real quick. So in verse 7, after he received this power from God and ripped this lion apart, it says... Here, I, 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 
Yeah, you're, you're good. You're, you're good. I'll find it. If I find it before you. So in, in verse 7, after this happened, after this kind of revelation came, and he should have been like on fire, right? Because God just gave him power. It says that he turned and he talked with a woman and she pleased him well. So even though... Even though God just sent all this power down and he should be like Dwayne Johnson busting through a Royal Rumble, he, he wasn't doing that. He turned and he saw this woman. He's like, oh, but she still pleases me. So that trigger hit again, right? So just that fast, the devil got him right back off track. And he kept pursuing the things that he wanted to do even though God just sent him a reminder of what he wanted him to do. So he, reminded, he was reminded of power, power, but he returned to pleasure. So then you went to verse 8, and God sends him another reminder. In verse 8, then he looks over. After he goes back to this woman, starts to dig back into this. He goes, you go into verse 8, and it says that after some time, so a little bit of time had passed, when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. Now, that was a reminder where God's like, listen, Look what I just caused you to do. This is why you're here. You're, you're here because I sent you for a mission, but you're getting so distracted. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never seen a dead animal on the side of the street and there's like honeybees swarming. It's usually just birds pecking on it and trying to carry it off. That in itself, <laughs> that in itself should have, been, should have been a sign because there's honeybees inside of a carcass. That doesn't happen. You don't see that. So that should have been a sign, but instead he gets a little cocky with it, and he goes making riddles. And he's like, oh, you know, he, he just, you know, he gets all about himself again. Like he's just so self-centered. He's so hard-headed. Now, when you went into uh, verses 8 and 11, it, it goes on to talk about how he's continuing the process of marrying this woman, and he gets assigned 30 men, and they're basically acting as, like, best man um, in his wedding. He's assigned 30 people who were there to pretty much be his moral support. And he even takes advantage of those 30 men. And that's when he starts giving them this, uh, this riddle. And he's like, look, you know, I, if you can't solve this riddle, then you're going to owe me something. So now their personal belongings are getting involved in it. And it turns into like insane extreme bingo where they're like, okay, either give me your bingo card or I'm going to go burn your house down. Because that's essentially what happened. Because it's like... Because, <laughs> I mean, that's what happens, though. Because they're like, listen, either entice your husband to tell us what the answer is or I'm going to come burn down your family's houses and make sure they're in it. Like, this got real extreme real fast. And this didn't have to happen, but Samson was so self-centered and his, his own personal self-centeredness started causing all these issues. All these things is like snowball effect of issues. And it's not only affecting him, but it's affecting the people that he's encountering and the people in his life too. Now, <laughs> anyways, okay, so like I said, he, he knows what he came to do, but he had his, his, own, his, his own idea. And like I said, it, it, just, it, it becomes a Samson show. It's not about God's will. It's what's, what is Samson's will now? Right? So, usually, okay, so God has ways of kind of getting your attention. If you don't see it the first few times, He's going to find a way to do it. Now, He's kind of, he, He's dove into sin, right? He, he, he's like, okay, I'm going to marry this girl. And like they do the whole ceremony and everything else. Now, wives are here to, to kind of correct us. Every time I do something wrong, she makes sure that she lets me know that I've done something wrong. So God, yeah. So God will use 
that person in our life to kind of get us on the right track. And she does it to me a lot. So, like, I'm, I know. I know all about it. Now, what happens, though, is that God uses that. He's like, look, yes, you're in sin. But I'm gonna. It's just like Pontius Pilate. God used Pontius Pilate, even though he was using the cross as a mockery. He's up on the on the hill, and everybody can read, "Hey, this is Jesus, King of the Jews," and it's in three different languages, so everybody passing by can see that. So sometimes God will use people that you wouldn't think He's going to use in order to get your attention, in order to kind of pre, pre, pass His message on. He'll use people, and I mean, we see that now with celebrities that are going out and saying things about God. It's like. You know, it, it'll amaze you, but that, that's what he ends up doing is he uses Samson's new wife to do this. Now, what happens is he causes them to start fighting. Now, like I said, God ends up essentially saying, look, you didn't have to get involved with these people because now you're going to have to lose somebody that you've got attached to, right? So now it's he's about to lose this woman because all these things are coming to pass. Now, um, she starts getting all emotional. As many people do when you get in an argument, and it, she goes through the extreme. She's like, "Oh, you just don't love me. You hate me." Like she's all into it. Like you just, you know, it's, it's a whole argument. <laughs> it's a whole argument. Now, and, and, and that's what we found in verse sixteen. And she's like, "Oh, this isn't fair, Samson. Like, like you, you're you're here. You're doing all these things, and you're not even you're not even confiding in your own wife and telling me uh, and telling me of these things." But eventually, <laughs> eventually. Samson gives in, and he tells her the answer to the riddle. Like I said, I know this is a lot to read, and I'm trying to just hit the highlights, but Samson gives in. He gives her the answer to the riddle. Now, even though God did not tell him to go and give these people a riddle and take advantage of them, he still gave him warning. Because when you go into verse 19, in verse 19, and if I get there before you do, that's fine. Oh, you're there. Awesome. So verse 19 says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he went down to... Ashkelon and killed 30, men, uh, 30 of their men, took their apparel, and he gave the changes of clothing to those who had explained the, uh, the riddle. So his anger was aroused, and he went back up to his father's house. So even though God didn't tell him to go and take advantage of these people and, and, and make this riddle and everything else, he still protected him when these people were coming after him. Because, they, hey, now they, they figured out the riddle, and they're coming after you and the things that you've set up against yourself. So why would he do that? If he was out of God's will, he's doing all these things, it's because God was not done with Samson. He still had purpose and reasoning of being on the earth. So God had to remove some things in order to get Samson back on track. So what happens is when he's out and he's doing this and he's taking care of, of this business that he created for himself, God's also working. Because when he comes back, and, and that's where we go to, to, to chapter 15, when, when he comes back, his wife has been taken from him. Because her father said, well, I thought you hated her, so I just went ahead and gave her to, to somebody else. She's married to somebody else now. So see, he had to lose her in order to get to where God needed him to be. So now what this does is this instills some anger in Samson. So now what he ends up saying is he, he says that, um, let me go into my, my, uh, to my wife in her room, but the father would not let him go in. Uh, but what he ends up saying is, this time I'll be blameless regarding the Philistines if I harm them. So now he's coming in with the anger that he should have been coming in with in the beginning. So all this stuff happened in the middle that didn't have to happen because he got self-centered. All this other stuff happened because he created those own issues. 
He could have just came in and started doing this right off the bat, but it didn't happen that way because he got out of God's will. So now that anger is back instilled in him, and now he's coming. And uh, He said with the... I'm not there yet. Okay. So anyways, how do I know that that anger is, is there and he's not going to go back? Because what happens in, in, right here is that the father said, I really thought that you hated her. So he tries to give him a compromise. And he says, what about her younger sister? Isn't she better? Well, take her instead because she's prettier, she's better. And he, said, he didn't take that. He didn't take that kind of bait. Huh? <laughs> so, you're good. No. So he didn't, he didn't take that because that was the devil's way of trying to get him back into it because, like I said, all this other stuff happened because he got out of God's will. This is the devil trying to get him out of God's will again. He's like, hey, here's the sister. Why don't you take her? But he doesn't do that. That anger stays there that God sent him to have against these people. Now, um, like I said, so now he's, what, what God done is he took away the pleasure that, that he was searching after. And he gave him purpose. Because sometimes our anger of the, the pleasure lost leads us to the purpose that God was sending us to have all along. So sometimes God takes things away in order to get us to where he's trying to take us to go. So sometimes we got to lose some stuff in order to gain more stuff. And like in the moment, we're, we're mad at God, but that anger can turn into we're taking steps of faith that we wouldn't have taken if we were calm. Because when you're mad, you just kind of, you, you'll jump. If somebody says something, you're like, you're done, right? Because you're mad. You're ready to fight. So God made him mad so that he would jump and take that leap of faith and get back into God's will really quickly. So sometimes when we're, when we're mad and we're like trying to blame God, sometimes he's doing it because we, we walked away and we made things hard. He's got to get us back where we need to be. Now, with Samson's newfound purpose, he goes out and he starts slaying the Philistines. And this is when we get back to the moment of this is one of the things we know about Samson. He goes out with the jawbone. He starts killing people, right? Now, they also know this very quickly because everybody in that community starts talking. They're like, hey, what happened to this dude? Like now he's... Now he's gone like crazy. He's over there killing everybody. So they're starting to take notice of the things that he's doing. But he's fueled by anger, so he keeps going and he keeps going. He keeps going. He's not stopping. Now they try to hold him hostage, and he just rips out the ropes like the rubber bands. And like I said, he finds his, he finds a, a, a jawbone. And he, he goes and he slays a hundred men and uh, or a thousand men, and then he stands tall and says, like it sounds like a movie catchphrase because he's like with the jawbone of a donkey. I have he uh, said like, with the jawbone of a donkey he was he's with the jawbone of a donkey I have slain a thousand men and uh, it, it, when when you read it uh, the NIV it, it like even makes it sound like more of like a movie quote because he's like I have made donkeys out of these people by using a donkey's jawbone it's like nobody says that kind of sentence but he's like fueled by anger he's like all passionate and he's not wearing like like this dude just looks cool at this point because he's like out here killing people with a jawbone so. You know, he's all like macho and just doing this thing. And what happens is that, is that Samson, you know, now that he finally came and done the things he was supposed to do, right? Now that he finally done these things, it says that he judged Israel for 20 years. And um, for a lot of people, that could be word ended. it. It's like, okay, so he finally got back on track. He finally got where he needed to be. And then he done what got him to do. And now he's ruled over Israel. But it doesn't end there. 
because that trigger came back, right? So then you get to, um, then, we, then we get to verse 16, I believe it is. Oh, yeah, okay, so Judges 16, so chapter 16. Um, it says that after all this happened, he loved a woman in the valley of Sarek, whose name was Delilah. <laughs> now, what's different here is that it actually uses the word that he loved the woman. So now it was more than just a recreational pleasure, like this makes me feel good relationship. He loved this woman. There was something more here than what he had had in the past. Now what happens is we have to remember that trigger that that the devil had on him before where he says, she pleases me well. Because he starts falling back into this whole uh, pleasure thing and and the devil's going to use it against him now. What happens is this woman, crazy. yes, crazy, right? So, <laughs> all right. So, so when uh, so when we started, it says uh, that that Samson went to Gaza and he saw a harlot there. So she's a prostitute, um, and he said that he went in with her. And the guys and knights were told that Samson has come, and they surrounded the place and they laid there all night waiting for him because they was going to kill him in the morning. I, I'm just reading this right now. You're good. Uh, they were ready to kill him that morning. Like that was their plan. But even still, even though he once again got out of God's will, God still warned him because he woke up in the middle of the night and he left. Because he, these people were ready to kill him in the morning. But he got up in the middle of the night and he left. Now, and then you, then you go up to uh, the, the verse 4 that we read where he loved a woman named Delilah. And then what was so different is that when you're in love with somebody, a lot of times you don't see their faults. And when you're in love with somebody, you'll let things go that you wouldn't let go for other people, you know? So what happens is that she starts asking him questions because her love was bought. Like, she was bought out. These people came and they said, look, we want to kill this dude. So we will each give you this much money if you figure out what's going to take his strength away from him. Her love was bought away from him. But he didn't see it. So every time she would come and ask, hey, what's the secret? He kept giving her answers. Now, he didn't give her the right answer at first. He, he, he tiptoed around it. And every time she would go and tell somebody, and then all of a sudden the thing that, she, that he told her, they were coming to do to try to take strength away. But he was blinded by it because he loved her. So he kept on and kept on and kept on. Eventually, he ends up actually telling her what that secret is. It's like, hey, you know, God said... If my hair gets cut, I'm going to lose my strength. Now, of course, the, 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 the Philistines come. They cut his hair. He loses his strength. They gouge out his eyes. He gets locked up. He's taken away. He was blinded by that love. Now, now, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> anyway, so he was blinded literally and metaphorically. He was blinded because yeah, he, he wasn't. He didn't see the fault in, in this woman because he loved her. So now he's by himself. He started the journey single. And now he's ending the journey single because now he's locked up. Delilah's not there. She don't care. She was bought out. So he's still by himself. Now, and I promise I'm about to wrap up. I know I've, I've been talking a lot. So um, what happens is they lock him up and they start mocking him. But he's locked up and they're like, hey, why don't you bring that dude up and have him entertain us? 
Like, they're just – like, they're all about themselves. They're filled up with pride because, like, hey, we got Samson. Now, what is amazing about this is, I mean, look at how many times Samson fell out of God's will, but he kept staying there with him. Now, yes, he lost his strength. But what, what I find beautiful about it is that, look, these people came and they cut his hair off, and it was a temporary thing because if you get a bad haircut, what do we say? It'll grow back. They came and cut his hair, took his strength away, and now there was some time in between. It was growing. Samson was growing. There's time in between, but we're growing. We get cut, we're growing, but it grows back. And when it grew back, the strength came back. So they're over there mocking him, and he's in like the worst situation he's ever been in his life, and he prays to God. He remembers God gave me the strength. It wasn't me. It was God that gave me the strength. So while this is growing back, he's getting mocked. You know, he puts his hands on those pillars. and He says, God, give me the strength. And then we know how the story goes. He pushes those pillars out and the temple crashes and kills all of them. Like I said, he started by himself. Got in all this mess going around getting like woman crazy. Like, ooh, I'm going to marry this woman. Like, he's all crazy. Like, going out of God's will, just trying his best to find somebody to be... But he started alone and he ended alone. And he ended up killing more people in that last push than he ever did. Going around with a jawbone. Doing all of the other stuff that he'd done the whole time. It was in that end moment. When he finally came to the realization of, I don't, need, I don't even need my eyes. I don't even need to be able to see people to do what God's calling me to do. It was a growing process. He was cut down through all of his own decisions. But it grew back. And he was willing to die with everybody else in order to, to, to defend the purpose that God sent him to do. Now, the moral of that is sometimes we get distracted and it's like, God sent me to do this, but I like this. And sometimes we want to be with a person that's not called to do the same thing that we're called to do. And sometimes we have to grow with an individual before God ever puts us in a relationship. And sometimes we're not even called to be in a relationship. Some people are called to singleness. Not everybody likes to hear that, but some people are called to singleness. And sometimes we go in trying to force something that God's not intending because you, you might work right now, but as soon as you grow to the next stage, they don't like it anymore. They're going to hold you back and be a stumbling block. So we have to figure out what God's path is and we have to be watching for his warnings just like God was sending the lion and he reminded them of the carcass and the honeybees and you know he was constantly warning him. Sometimes God's sending us warnings and we're taking it as him fighting. We're taking it as negative things. So what's he sending to us? What, what reminders is he sending to you? And lastly, how closely do we listen? Because sometimes he'll tell us something and we'll hear it clearly like, you know, we talked about Jesus came to those people on the road and as soon as they realized it was him, he vanished and he made them grow. And that is why I'm going to refer back to what we started the lesson with. I told you a sentence at the beginning of the lesson. Okay. And then we had all this time in between. So if you did not write it down, <laughs> who can remember what the yeah, sentence yeah. was? Yeah. That was Good job. So, see, see, some people forget, some people add things or take away things, some people remember it fully, but we're all different, and some of us, 
No, some of us aren't in the same place. So we have to learn to listen when God says something to receive it fully. Does anybody have any questions, anything to add to it? Oh, man, okay.